Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our wonderful guest in purple hair and everything, Randy Roberts. And we're going to be talking about why you deserve it, how to love your work and achieve your goals. So Randy is an amazing woman. She's an executive and career life coach. She is all about helping professionals become re-energized by their work and attain career fulfillment without compromising on what matters most. She knows the importance of finding balance in her coaching, giving you the push you need to take action and overcome obstacles while simultaneously holding space for you when you need a pause to breathe. So after spending 30 years in the corporate world, Randy has walked the same path as her clients. She dives into discussions on accomplishments, competing priorities, promotions, leading, motivation, and making you happy, both with her clients and her own podcast, The Fulfilling Career Happy Life Podcast. When Randy is not working, you can find her recharging her batteries by spending time outdoors, practicing yoga, reading, or catching up with friends. Randy, I am really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And for those of you who are joining us for that very first time, before we dive into this fascinating conversation, please, if you love the show, take this moment to subscribe to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And once again, if you love the show, please share it with your friends, your family, your peers, and take that time to give us a five-star review. We would very much appreciate it. Ah, so Randy, you have had such a, a storied career. I'm, And now where you're at with your business, I'd love to hear what inspired you to sort of shift gears and do what you're doing now. Yeah. I, I consider myself so fortunate because I have had two careers that I have absolutely loved. And my first was in pharmaceuticals, a more traditional business track, working for big corporations, working my way up from sales rep all the way up to um, running a billion dollar business in the US market for one of the biggest companies in the world. And one of the things that I always loved about PharmaLyn was it enabled me to tap into what's always been important to me from the time I was a kid, which is doing some good while I'm doing well, which which sounds trite, but but it it's just true for me. I really need to know that I'm making a difference. And in pharma, the reason it felt like home for so long was because that's what that industry does. The medications they make, the devices, the, the solutions extend lives, in, improve health outcomes, um, you know, just do good for society. Now, the industry takes some hits and I'm not going to spend time defending it, but it's true for that industry. And for a long time, that's why it felt like home for me. And then it felt like one day that wasn't true anymore. And I think the reason was I got so high up in a big, complex organization that had its own gravity that I was really spending a lot of my time internally focused and I had lost touch with the good we did for patients. Um, and so it just, I don't know if it was a mid-career crisis, what it was, <laughs> 
but it was time for me to really take stock and I was almost forced to do it. And it, and this is kind of the analogy I use, which is I went from 30 years of jumping out of bed every morning before the alarm to hitting the snooze button. And when you find a drastic change like that for yourself, you owe it to yourself to really look at what's going on. And I realized I didn't, I wasn't as in touch with the doing good anymore. And so I made a radical shift, started my own business, now have, um, you know, a very successful second career that I absolutely love. And the way I do good now is to help other people achieve their goals. And it's just every bit is satisfying to me and fits me in so many ways at this point in my life and has taught me so much that I'm able to bring to my clients about knowing what's right for you in the different seasons of your life, if that makes sense. So that's a lot of words to answer your question, but hopefully it does answer your question. No, absolutely. And I know how you are when you, you do, there's that, that point where you, you, something's just not the same anymore and you need to make a shift. And I, and I think that occurs at various stages of our lives for various reasons. And so if we really get into that, how do you, you know, really get to that point where, you know, you are loving your work and as you are also achieving your goals, I'd love to hear about um, how you work with people on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I'm very passionate that both sides are important and both sides are possible because people that are goal oriented as so many of my clients are, sometimes we can blindly set that goal and put our heads down and work so hard towards it. And when you get, and it might be a long-term goal, it might be 10 years. By the time you get close to it or even achieve it, is it still the right goal? Is it still the thing that's going to make you happy? And I have some clients that have found themselves in that situation and gone after the thing and achieved it and then realized one day, wow, this isn't really what I thought the experience was going to be like. And it's it takes courage to look at that. Um, and I think, you know, if there is a key to success in some of the work that I do with a lot of clients, it's around being willing to ask those hard questions about, am I still working towards the right thing? You know, do I need to take a look at who I am at this point in my life differently? And that can be really scary. I mean, I had a 30-year career in pharma and I loved it so much. And if you had asked me even a year or two before I made that pivot about would I ever do anything else, I would have said, no, I would, I was, I was holding on for dear life because I loved it so much. Um, and and it was hard and it did take courage. And it, you know, sometimes uh, life intervenes a little bit and something yeah. else sort of shoves you in a little bit different direction. But as I say, like never waste a good crisis. When that happens, when you are forced to change direction for whatever reason, you know, create an opportunity out of it and look at what's the best course for you. Clean slate, you know, just starting from scratch now, what would I be doing today? Because in some ways, the rest is sunk cost, you know, to borrow from a, a business way of thinking about it. And, um, you know, we, I think, I think we are well served to really ask those hard questions, maybe even every couple of years. What's important to me now? What are my priorities now? Am I still working towards the hard things? Do I need to be working as hard? 
You know, yeah. you may be at a point where financially you can take your foot off the pedal a little bit and maybe enjoy life a little bit more, that kind of thing. And some of us don't even give ourselves permission to think that way. Yeah, no, I hear you. And and I definitely agree that sometimes life throws us a curveball or something occurs that changes, um, really creates a catalyst for us to take a look and say, hmm. And I know that for myself, that was when my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I, and it was just like this, like, whoa, um, didn't see that one coming. And uh, after I, I, I held a two week pity party, I went, okay, now what, you know, then, you know, I, it's like, I had a life before I'll have a life after what is that going to look like? And how can I be here for during this journey and making the most of that time? And so uh, that was certainly, that was completely unplanned. And I think that that also comes consciously when you discover that you're in a position or in a company, um, that things are just changing within the organization for some reason. And and it's suddenly, it's just, you know, you don't feel like you are aligned, you know, with your values or beliefs anymore. Yeah. And so that it's time to, you know, uh, look look on the other side of the fence. Uh, I love this conversation, but you know, when you're working with people, I mean, this is sort of getting to how do you help them sort of look at, you know, that what's, what could be their blind spots or what I like to say, tilt their paradigm so they can actually see around the corner. Do you have a process or there's a specific um, routine that you take them through? Yeah, I do. And I think it's a really great question because one of the reasons that people will seek out coaching or the reasons they seek out a podcast or they read leadership books or things is because we all need to get out of our heads a little bit. And I think the biggest challenges we have in our lives are very difficult to solve ourselves. And look, I'm a huge believer in coaching, but it's interesting. I'm not a believer in coaching because I am a coach. I am a coach because I believe so much in coaching. And I used to like hold back and not talk about it because it felt self-serving. And then I've realized if I don't talk about it, I'm not helping people. So I think coaching is a great way to go or seek out a mentor or whatever so that you can get out of your own head a little bit and just start the process about wondering what are the things that you need to be thinking about, getting curious. Asking some questions and talking to somebody else is often the best way to shift from judgment and having made a decision to curious and what might be the best out there. So your question was, do I have a process? And I actually have many processes. The way my career as a coach has evolved, and I've had my own business for over five years now, is I've developed what I what I call my sort of bag of tricks. And different tools and different exercises and things. And something may come up organically that I sense a client needs something. And I may develop a tool for it. And then it becomes part of that bag of tricks. And they get applied in a different way for every client. So I'll give you an example. I have a client that actually I met with earlier today. And he's at a point where he's wanting to make a career pivot. And he's not really 100% sure what the future looks like. And he's part of as a result of that is he's not entirely sure how to tell his own story. And so we're going through an exercise now that I call a personal value proposition, which is kind of a questionnaire that that 
he takes himself through. I've developed it. He takes himself through, puts his thoughts down. We go over it together at our next session. And really what it does is it helps him take inventory of all the things he's done. Now, the jobs are easy. We could look at our LinkedIn profile. We could look at our resume. The jobs are there, but it's really going to the next level of that. What are the ways that you have offered value that you've contributed through each of those jobs? What are the things, the special sauce that you offer that's led you from one job to the other? And then what are all the things that you've done that aren't on a resume? So for example, he was an Eagle Scout. This was a long time ago, but there were a lot of things that lead to leadership skills and whatever involved in that. You shared that you found yourself in a caregiver role. And my guess is having to be a strong advocate for your husband at that time and probably holding your family together. If we were to mine that, what are the things there that might apply to the way you would tell your own story? So that's sort of one example of an exercise that I take people through because what I find, and you may find this with your clients too, Lynn, people don't give themselves credit. Yes. for the wealth of what they got to offer. yeah. And so sometimes just me asking the questions and them really thinking about it, it helps them appreciate who they are, what they offer, and tell their story in such a compelling way that everything changes. Yeah. No, I agree. I have something that's similar uh, as a sales strategist, that it's called the value vault. And I have um, especially when you're in sales for those salespeople, you need to fill your value vault with all the different skills and experiences and your superpowers so that when you're in a situation or you just got a, you know, a, a really hard no, uh, you can go reach into that value vault and say, oh yeah, okay, I've got this. I love that. I'm, I'm okay. So yeah. it's it's similar yet different, right? Yeah. And uh, same thing. I also created it myself. And uh, but I think that we could probably talk about those two things and that similarities and and either your work and career or in sales, which of course sales is a is a career. We you were in sales as well. I was um, once again a rainmaker, which leads to those leadership roles. Um, it's uh, the quickest, I believe, path to leadership is uh, by becoming really good at sales. Um, <laughs> I, I I could go on for a long time about how much a believer in sales I am, because the reality is, what is sales? It's developing a, a strong, excellent ability to influence others. And you use that in everything you do, whether you're yeah. in an official sales position or not. And some people might think if you haven't been in sales, like, I mean, I have a real love of sales. I've spent probably half my career sales and marketing. Um, If you've not been in sales, you might think that sales is manipulative. (laughs) I personally think manipulation gets a bad rap because if you're using your powers for good and not for evil, so what? It's a win for everybody. So no, I'm a huge sales fan. Yeah. Well, and of course I think of, I never think of sales as being manipulative. I abandon that, but instead it's guiding people to a decision. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really about helping and serving others, find, solve their problems, find the solutions um, and creating impact. So I uh, like and, that definition. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, but you know, that that's talking about, you know, why is, I, I think I'm going to pivot because, you know, we both love what we do. Um, but for other people, um, they get into these situations where they're just sort of going through the motions. 
And, you know, why is loving your work a challenge for so many people? I mean, where is the disconnect? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me acknowledge that loving your work in many ways is a privilege because the reason we work is we have to right? We think about why do we build careers because we want to support our families or we want to have different life choices and things like that. So I don't mean to discount that at all. Sometimes that financial need or security or whatever that looks like rules the day and that's appropriate. If you're in a position where you can think beyond that, loving your work is how you bring your best. Because it's when you're passionate, it's when you're creative, it's when you know you're in the right place and and you want to contribute everything and you want to bring all of your best skills. It's like, it's kind of a litmus test that I use is, you know how you might have a day where you're completely jam-packed, your schedule's crazy busy from morning till night and you're shifting gears and you're doing all kinds of things. And at the end of that day, you feel energized. And other days, your schedule may look not that much different. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted. That's the difference is if you're loving your work and if you're in that sweet spot and you're one of those lucky, lucky people, that work is energizing you and fueling you to do more and to give more and to contribute more as opposed to draining you. And I think most of us over over a long career, that arc is a bit of a roller coaster. We have times that we're up and we have times that we're down and hopefully we sustain that. Um, But that's, I am passionate to help people find at least a little bit of that. Yeah, well, I can guarantee you some days I have peaks and valleys within the day. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. (laughs) Not just over a week, a month, or a couple of years. Uh, So, um, you know, this was really, you know, so, but what, you know, really holds people back other than, you know, that they have very specific financial commitments, but even there, um, helping them sort of think outside of the box or, you know, as I said, tilt their paradigm just slightly so that they can see that, you know, that there are other opportunities. Um, Are there things that you find consistently that um, either self-limiting beliefs, I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth, but, or, or just their mindset or things that are really common that people need to recognize and, and actually consider and look at so that they can move forward? Yeah, Lynn, I mean, those are the things. It's the limiting beliefs. It's the mindset. It's the us not giving ourselves permission to want something or to go for something. Here's the great news. If we're getting in our own way, we can get out of our own way. Right. You just have to recognize it and you have to think about things differently. You talked about, I don't remember the word you used. It was like shifting on the access or or somehow like being able to see around the corner. And the thing that I would say is you often need help doing that because we get caught in our own perspective. We think we have the, most of us are successful because we're good at solving problems and we're good at coming up with ideas and we're good at moving things forward. So yeah, naturally we think we have the best idea. We may or we may not. And what I would say is for people who are wondering about these, some of these, some of these things are feeling this like career itch, get out of your own head and talk to somebody about it. And that might be a mentor. It might be a spouse. It might be a good friend, but you have to think about who you go to because I kind of think about it as those of us who are fortunate have what I consider a board of directors 
which is might have somebody in all of those seats. It might be a mentor. It might be a spouse. It might be a good friend. But think about it. If you go to a good friend, like I have some friends right now that I could call and they would run through a brick wall for me, whether I was right or wrong. And there are moments when I need that. And there are moments when I need someone to say, hey, wait a minute, let's think about this a little differently. Like maybe that isn't the right brick wall to run through. So sometimes you have to be a little situational and think about who you go to. And that gets back to why I'm such a fan of coaching. Because as a coach, and you may define this a little bit differently, the way I define it is I have no agenda other than to help the client achieve their goal. So if they have two choices between two job opportunities, I've got no vested interest in which decision they make. My goal is to help them make the decision that's right for them. And so as such, I'm not a cheerleader for one or the other. I'm the one asking the questions and making sure that they're considering the different perspectives and thinking about who do they want to be when they get there and how can they be that person today and that kind of thing. So makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I also want to add one more thing to what you had said. You also can't be afraid of failure. And I think that's something that will definitely holds people back. And I just would like to remind everybody, think back when you're learning to ride a bike, you know, you went from the tricycle to the, the, the bike with training wheels, you took the training wheels off and you fell off and you skinned your knees, you skinned your elbows. In my case, I skinned my chin. I still kept getting back up on that bike and I was successful um, riding the bike. <laughs> it took a few times, right? And then I'm riding all over the neighborhood and have that freedom. And what I think happens as adults, we become afraid of failure and, you know, it's, is it really a failure or is it just, well, this worked, but this didn't work. I need to tweak this. I I think it's really looking at it differently. What did you learn from that experience? What can you use and carry forward? You now know what not to do. Right. Um, And so I think that's one thing that I see is a common thing that people have. I think there's so much wisdom there. And I know I found it for myself when I changed careers because I went from being, you know, what I defined as this important person within this organization. And I had a, you know, big orbit around me of people that listened to what I had to say and all of these things. And then I go out of my own business and purposefully went out on my own. But I, in order to, make an impact. I had to get over myself and not worry if anybody, oh my God, someone I used to work with isn't going to like what I'm saying about this or that. Once I got okay with that, I could speak very powerfully to the right people that needed that message, as opposed to watering it down and worrying so much about what, what other people think. So I think that fear of failure, it's like, yeah, you could define it differently. You could just yeah. be okay with it, whatever it is. It's, you know, all the things people say about resilience. It's how you pick yourself up and yeah. and and move on and get out of your own way. Yeah, dust yourself off, just like Captain Marvel when she spins out on the, <laughs> on, falls off the rope or whatever it is, right? <laughs> she just gets back up. Yep. Um, so what should listeners who've been tuning in and they're turning on, they really like this, um, what should they do next? Um, to love their work while achieving their goals? 
Well, I actually have a resource that I can offer if it's helpful for people, because one of the things that I really encounter a lot is people will come to me and say, something's not right anymore, but I have no idea what it is. And I'm a big proponent of if you don't know what the problem is, you don't know if you're fixing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You might be able to make some shifts right where you are. You might not have to change jobs, that kind of thing. So there's um, there's a resource that's available on my website called the Career Satisfaction Assessment. It just lays out eight different dimensions of what it might not, what it might be that's not working so well anymore. What is still working well? So you have an idea of where to start on fixing some of these things. And there's two options: you can take yourself through it if you like, or on my own YouTube channel, "Fulfilling Career Happy Life." Um, there's a workshop that I can take people through it if they prefer. So that often can be a great place to start again to make sure you're fixing the right problem. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't know what that is. You're just, uh, you could just, you're just throwing mud against the wall. <laughs> you exactly. And you, and you may, if again, the problem is in your mindset, if you're getting in your own way, wherever you go, you take that with you. Yeah. So let's get to the bottom of it. Let's figure it out. The solution sometimes is easier than you think. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Randy, is there anything you wish I'd asked you today? I think If I had any message, it would be around people giving themselves permission to listen to that little voice that may not be as satisfied as it was. You know, it can feel really scary because like once you open that box, can you close it again? But what's on the other side could be so fantastic. And again, like in a world where something isn't fitting right anymore, but you can't change jobs. Okay. But maybe there's a way to complement what you're doing, to shift something, to add something in a way that can quiet that voice and make you as happy as you used to be. So I think that's it is just give yourself permission to ask that tough question and look at what might, what, what could be better. Absolutely. Here, here. Um, trust your gut, that intuition, and uh, it could be a small thing that you can, you can, you can refine or tweak. Mm-hmm. Well, Randy, thank you so much for sharing how to love your work as you achieve your goals. It's been a powerful conversation. I know our listeners are going to want to know more about you and where they can find you. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, my website's probably the best place to find me. It's Randy, R-A-N-D-I, Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S, coaching.com. That career satisfaction assessment I mentioned is there in the resource section. And my email is Randy at RandyRobertsCoaching.com or my own podcast or YouTube channel, which is Fulfilling Career Happy Life. So there's a few different ways you can find me. And I appreciate you asking. Well, absolutely. And we'll make sure that all those links are right down below so that Randy is one click away, including her phenomenal um, uh, assessment that she's told us about. So um, I want to thank Randy again for this very informative discussion. And for all of you who joined us, um, we really appreciate your being here. If you have any ideas that you'd like to share, you can leave us a comment down below. We love hearing your thoughts. Um, And we will reply and respond to you. If you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for discussion, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitetoqueen.com. And to stay current on all of our 
insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, never miss an episode of Claim Your Career Crown. You can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter. And I want to thank everyone again for tuning in. And Randy, thank you so much. This has just been brilliant. It's been my pleasure, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me.